Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation First and Ten, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis. And uh, before I bring in my great co-host, Sam Gordon, who um, I will definitely treat better than um, Skip Bayless treats uh, Shannon Sharp. I can tell you that right now. Jeez, that nonsense. Uh, but before we get to Sam, just want to let you know that Vegas Nation podcasts, all of them that we do here at Vegas Nation, are sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death, which, um, gosh, I'm sure the uh, the Raiders are pounding some liquid death after the game on Thursday night because, Sam, the last time we left uh, our great listeners, we were previewing uh, the Raiders-Rams game on Thursday night. And I'm not quite sure I've still been able to quite figure out exactly what happened uh, on Thursday night. All I do know is I think all of us in the press box were just kind of looking at each other, basically saying, what did we just watch happen? <laughs> Sam, try to make sense of all this. Very, uh, very appropriate uh, line of questioning there, Vinny. That's exactly um, what we were asking. Like you said, you and I Thursday morning broke this game down. I uh, thought the Raiders had decided advantages in this game. I believe they were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. They were the better team. They had the better players, uh, and they certainly had more to play for at that juncture in the season. Vinny coming into that game with a three-game winning streak. Uh, lo and behold, the offense goes to sleep in the second half, uh, as does the defense on the final couple drives. The defense that had held its weight against Baker Mayfield uh, for the first part of the game. Uh, it fell apart in the fourth quarter. It was a total team collapse, Vinny, in a, in a massive – Massive spot that I guess in a way changes, I mean, in a drastic way changes uh, to the trajectory of the Raiders season. Uh, right. I mean, the playoff chance, playoff berth was already a long shot as is the Raiders needed to beat the Rams. And quite frankly, they are. I mean, it's it's minuscule their chances of making the playoffs. So uh, now, uh, like we, we, we wait and see uh, how they regroup, what they do uh, in the aftermath of that loss. And that starts. Uh, with a, a fascinating showdown, right? Certainly one of the more interesting showdowns when we looked at the calendar before the season. Josh McDaniels against his mentor, Bill Belichick. Massive game for the Pats and a, a big spot for the Raiders, nonetheless, who have to regroup, have no choice but to finish the season after that devastating loss. We'll see where they go from here. Yeah, and we'll get into that uh, matchup in just a uh, second. But I but I do think that um, revisiting the nightmare that was Thursday night against yep. the Rams uh, is warranted. And, you know, I've covered the NFL for a little while. I've covered a lot of Thursday night games, uh, Sam. And, and, you know, they're, they're just – it's never pretty. It's always an ugly game typically. Almost every one that I've covered is pretty much an ugly game. Um, you're not going to get a lot of uh, offensive creativity. It's going to be basically the basics, um, you know, because you don't have a whole lot of time to, uh, to, to, to really put in a new offense and all that sort of stuff. So you have to rely on execution. You know, and so I wasn't all that surprised um, by the offense, by, by what the offense did or didn't do. Um, a big mistake, obviously, by Derek Carr throwing that interception uh, at the end of the first half uh, when they needed to at least kick a field goal right there. Um, and in the second half, it got you know even sloppier. They weren't able to run the ball. Uh, Devontae Adams kind of got taken out of the game. It was it was a vanilla uh, game plan. Kind of expected that going in. Um, nevertheless. 
they're up 16 to three. Yep. They were totally ahead on the whole betting thing. You know, the, the, you know, I, I didn't think there was any chance that they were going to lose that lead. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm saying all this to say this, all that to say this at some point, um, up 16 to three in the fourth quarter, all the momentum is basically, you know, in you're, you're in control of it. You can't make the bonehead moves that the Raiders did uh, on the field. We could talk all we want about what the game plan looked like. We could talk all we want about the play calling. We could talk all we want about some of the coverage uh, schemes that they ran, you know, late in the game. But to me, and maybe I'm just oversimplifying things, but when Jerry Tillery knocks a ball out of the hands of Baker Mayfield right in front of the referee, right after a sack, that put the Rams in a second and 19 situation from their own 13 with no timeouts left with what a minute or so left in the game. Can't have that, Sam. You can't have guys lining up off sides on a punt oh, yeah. to gift wrap the Rams a first down. You can't have Max Crosby jumping off sides on a third and four play uh, that gift wraps another offensive line in a, in a key drive. And and the Raiders did all of that. They they lost that game because they shot themselves in the foot. We can, we can you know, um, look at all the play calls, all that, and could have, should have, would have, you should have probably called a run here, or what were you thinking on that third and one? But the bottom line is it's still a game that they should have won if they don't make those mental errors. No, uh, you're absolutely right, man. You're, you're 100% uh, correct in that regard. You talk about the Jerry Tillery penalty. Um, as bad of a penalty as you'll ever see, just as egregious and as incomprehensible and unexplainable uh, penalty as you'll ever see, right, in, in, in any spot, uh, giving to having multiple special teams penalties on the same play when the Rams are punting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a number of uh, – I mean, that, that's been – an issue though, Vinny, throughout the course of the season is they cannot, they have not been able to curb the penalties. I, th- I believe they're in the bottom four in the NFL this year in terms of uh, penalties per game and penalty yardage allowed. And it's, it's these, these killer errors in really, really crucial and timely spots. Penalties are going to happen in the NFL. Sometimes it's a byproduct of somebody getting beat off the edge or, or getting beat uh, on a play down the field or whatever. Like other teams have good players, but the 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 the, the, the flags, the infractions that the Raiders committed down the stretch uh, on Thursday night were were quite frankly uh, unforced errors, just really, really bad unforced penalties that give second life and third life and dare I say fourth life. To a team that had really no life, Vinny, if you take a look at where they're at during the season without their starting quarterback, Matthew Stafford, without Aaron Donald, the all-pro defensive tackle, without Cooper Cup, who had one of the greatest receiving seasons in NFL history last season, banged up offensive line, not the same team at all. You give professionals, high-level professionals who are still competing, the, the, the Baker Mayfield and company clearly did not want to lose that game because um, the Raiders continued to give them life. Maybe maybe if the Raiders make one more play or if they don't commit one of those flags, uh, the, the human, like we talked about last Thursday, the human component, maybe you relax a little bit knowing you need two scores, the Raiders have the ball, uh, and, and there's eight minutes left, right? That Then it becomes an, an impossibility, but – those flags continue to give that team life. And when you, you're playing against a quarterback like Baker Mayfield that has, for better and for worse, at various times in his career, um, drawn from emotion 
he was able to bottle that up and turn that into a signature moment of his NFL career to date. It sounds silly, but that could be a turning point in his career and obviously a turning point, a dramatic turning point. Again, we know it was a long shot the Raiders making the playoffs to begin with, but that pretty much put, you know, ended all the chances. It was just egregious, inexcusable penalties. And that is something big picture, uh, I think, moving forward that, that Josh McDaniels and company are going to have to evaluate because it has been an issue throughout the course of the season. And it quite like to your point, quite literally cost them the game that the, the infraction by Joe, Jerry Tillery in particular, but some of the other ones down the stretch as well um, cost them a game that they should have won. I mean, that that you're allowed to win ugly in the NFL as long as you win, but when you right. lose ugly and commit penalties, that's when you have a real problem. Right. Absolutely. And we've played enough sports uh, and covered enough sports to know that, look, physical errors are going to happen, you know, yep. a pass interference, a holding, you hate to see it happen, whatever, but it happens and and uh, you don't like it, but they're forgivable sometimes, you know, yeah, you, you know, it, it happens. It's the mental errors. Like you're not leaving anything up to um, interpretation from the referee when you line up over the ball yep. on a punt. Yep. That's just a clear cut penalty you're not leaving anything up to judgment from the referees when you slap the ball out of the quarterback's hands right in front of the referee he's going to call that 100 percent of the time and you're not gonna you're not leaving anything uh open to question uh, or interpretation by flying off the edge uh on a third down you know um you know max crosby's i could almost tolerate a little bit you know um uh or or understand i guess uh, because you know he's playing his heart out, he's playing 100, percent and he just kind of guessed wrong a little bit on the uh, on the count, uh, trying to get a leg up on the on the on the rush. Uh, but the other ones are just inexcusable, and those other ones played huge parts uh, in this game. And and I gotta say this too, Sam, I've gotten this a lot, you know, emails and and on on Twitter and social media, you know, well, if if you're allowing it from a coaching perspective, then if you're not coaching it up from a coaching perspective perspective, you're allowing it, Sam. How many times did we sit on the sidelines during training camp and OTAs and see guys running laps for jumping off sides or, you know, uh, errors that we saw in practice? And all of a sudden, guys were running laps, like full laps around uh, their, their Henderson practice field. It's not like this hasn't been talked about. It's not like this hasn't been emphasized. It's not like uh, Josh McDaniels and the coaching staff haven't made this a priority to talk about um, and 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 really emphasize, can't beat yourself, can't shoot yourself in the in the foot. You can't make mistakes like that. So I reject the idea that that's a coaching issue. To me, at some point, these guys are highly paid professional athletes, men, adults. At some point, they have to grasp it, get it, and understand it that this is not the time to make those kinds of errors. And, and, and I, I, I know that it's frustrating to the fans, but it has been emphasized. It has been talked about. How much more are the coaches supposed to talk about it until these players begin to truly understand it? Well, well, the, the flag, I mean, the, the, the Jerry Tillery penalty, Vinny, that is, um, I'm with you there. That is as, that, that is as incomprehensible and just as obvious of a flag as you're possibly going to have in that situation. Right. And it just, it was just a couple of weeks ago, um, where, the, the, you know, you saw an unsportsmanlike con- conduct penalty called against Devontae Adams, right. For complaining, uh, right. to a referee. Like we, we have seen the referees are going to call unsportsmanlike conduct. Like that is a penalty that hasn't changed right throughout the course of time. If anything, they are more strict 
calling it now than they were before. So, you know, it's it was a devastating loss all the way around. And when you lose that way, I mean, there were there, there had to be so many things that went against the Raiders, even beyond, like you said, scheme and X's and O's and those kinds of things that didn't go their way. There had to be so many things. Uh, other ones that to, to go to, to go against them to not go their way to go against them down the stretch of that game and, and sure enough um, it happened and it was an implosion um, like you said everybody in the press box I think everybody watching the game Rams fans Raiders fans alike in the stadium like you left that game you know thinking what the you know like it was just it was that incomprehensible so you know now it's on it's on I mean there's still right that you have to go out and play these four games they're, they're, the season doesn't end just because you lose in an emotional fashion and lose in a devastating fashion and it was um, in my opinion Vinny the most I guess devastated kind of locker room post game um, d- demeanor that we have seen so far because the Raiders have finally put themselves in position by playing well by finishing games by playing complimentary football by executing in big spots by by not doing the things that they were doing earlier in the season that two and seven stretch I think that has to be the most frustrating thing for the Raiders and, and for Raiders fans is they won in adverse circumstances they went on the road to Seattle they beat a Charger team that I don't know Vinny looked pretty good on Sunday don't you think like a yeah. pretty good Charger team they have shown that they can put it together and just too many times this season it has been the mistakes it has been the lack of execution down the stretch the lack of situational awareness and the situational struggles that have doomed this team so yeah now what are you kind of looking for in the last four games knowing um that they're 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 having they're in a position where they're coming off of a super emotional loss. Like what what kind of meaning do these new four games these last four games take on in wake of what happened in L.A. And now it's that time of the show where we of course joined by Chuck Esposito, director of race and sports for Station Casinos. Chuck joins us here on First and Ten every week to talk about the Raiders, the Vegas betting landscape, and all things sports. Chuck, been a couple of weeks since we talked. Welcome back to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. It's good to be on with you again. It's uh, been a little crazy the last few weeks with what's gone on in uh, pro football. But, uh, hey, as the season winds down, there's a lot of games that mean something on this week's schedule. No question about it, Chuck. And why don't we get right to it? I think one of the crazy things uh, that I've certainly taken notice of and all the NFL world at large is taking notice of is what is happening at quarterback in San Francisco. Brock Purdy uh, coming off of an outstanding game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his 49ers uh, get things started this week with a trip to Seattle, San Francisco, favored by three and a half, total 43 and a half. Chuck, now that you've had a couple weeks to assess Brock Purdy, how much has he affected, if at all, um, the, the line in games that San Francisco was involved in? Because it feels to me so far he's done a lot of what Jimmy Garoppolo has, uh, an excellent coaching job, testament to what Kyle Shanahan is doing. But what, if any, movement um, has been caused by Brock Purdy uh, being a part of that lineup? You know, Sam, it's still really early in the process. I I think when you look at San Francisco, it's the fact that they've only given up 197 points this year, by far the lowest amount in the league, the only team that's given up less than 200 points. Uh, They play defense, which in today's passing world with Buffalo and Philadelphia and teams that can, you know, light the scoreboard up in Kansas City, um, that's not the style that San Francisco plays. But defense wins championships in many cases. You're asking Purdy to just manage the game. I think the loss of uh, of Debo is, is big. However, they should get him back by the postseason. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that Niners can run and play defense, it's not that big of an adjustment from Garoppolo to Purdy, although it is somewhat. And we are seeing a little action on Seattle so far in this game on Thursday night. But uh, I'm not overly concerned with, with uh, San Francisco's offense right now. 
No, I'm not. I'm not either. Chuck Day looked absolutely fantastic on uh, on Sunday, and, and Christian McCaffrey, as he continues to get acclimated, we're seeing more of what he can do. Uh, we have some Saturday games this week. It's that time of the year. Uh, one I'm jumping to in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, yet to they haven't quite looked like Buffalo, but still grinding out wins. They are a seven and a half point favorite as they host the Miami Dolphins. Total forty two. And a half, Chuck. Um, I'm just going to ask you, cut and dry. Has, has is, are we seeing Miami uh, start to get exposed a little bit? A couple bad weeks from Tua uh, consecutively. The teams are changing the way that they're defending that Miami team. Uh, this line seems to be a reflection of, of that as Miami's falling off the schneid a little bit. Yeah, they had back-to-back primetime games out west, Sam, where they got kind of flexed into that that game. Um, I think when you look at Miami, they're a much different road team than a home team. They're three and four on the road. What they give up on points is almost double what they do at home. Um, they're five and one at home. Tough place to go play. This is going to be a snow game. It looks like. Um, I think Miami's going to lose their third straight game here. I think they've already beaten Buffalo once. It's a revenge game for Buffalo. They're in the number one spot in the AFC right now. They're not going to want to give that up because we all know what it means to be number one. You get that bye, you get some rest, but more importantly for Buffalo, you make teams have to go through Orchard Park and Buffalo never has to leave home. So if they're the number one seed, I think it is a huge advantage for the Bills. I think this is a Buff- this is a Miami team right now that's trending the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. A tale of, of two different teams right now. And like you said, a crucial rematch from earlier in the season. Moving along, a couple teams that I don't know uh, that we that I thought they'd be in the playoff mix, Chuck, uh, if you would ask me before the season. But lo and behold, the Detroit Lions, who have played as good as anybody over the last month and a half, uh, visiting New York. Uh, games of pick them, total 44 and a half. Chuck, when you take a look at both these teams, who has impressed you more throughout the course of the season? Is it the Detroit Lions who have found a rhythm and a tempo offensively and figured it out enough on defense, or is it the Jets that are just as mentally tough as they come, have been in seemingly every game this year with regardless of who's that quarterback, that defense is so good? I think it's both, Sam. I think it's amazing that we're in mid-December and we're talking about the Detroit Lions potentially sneaking into the playoffs. Um, They have. They've won two straight games. Uh, They let some games get away from them earlier. Um, There's a reason they were the favorite against the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings came into that game 10-2 and this past weekend, and they were bet heavily against. So I'm not a huge Viking fan right now. I think that they're somewhat of a of a of a paper uh, you know lion right now or paper tiger you know leading their division. Um, but Detroit's played really well. I like the Jets. You're right about the defense. I thought losing Hall really hurt that team early on. Um, they're on the outside looking in right now at seven and six. Um, they're behind the Patriots, who have maybe the toughest schedule of any team left in the league. I think this is a big game for both these two teams. Um, I think you're going to see this game pushed to the Jets, the favorite, but it's a huge game for both these two teams who hope to potentially slip into the back end of a wild card spot. Absolutely. Everything kind of heating up now as the playoff race comes into shape and takes shape. Chuck, I'd be remiss again if we did not talk about the Las Vegas Raiders as they try and regroup from their devastating loss to the Rams. They play host the New England Patriots, who are favored by one total 44 and a half. Of course, Bill Belichick against his protege, Josh McDaniels. New England still in the mix after a, a massive win on Monday Night Football, whereas the Raiders are out of the equation. Uh, saw this uh, open as a pick em. earlier. Seems like a lot of the action on New England. What are you expecting in this matchup at this juncture in time, Chuck? 
You know, Sam, I, I think we're going to be Raider fans. This is a huge game to the Patriots as they as, as they sit in the seventh seed right now. Um, they have a really tough schedule coming up. This is a very winnable game for them. Raiders come off that devastating loss to the Rams where they led, you know, throughout that game. Still don't get how you play a press man coverage with 10 seconds to go um, instead of a safety over the top and some sort of a zone. I think it's going to be tough for the Raiders to once again get up off the mat. Four times this year, they led by double digits. Four times they found ways to lose those games. I think this number is going to go up a little bit after three straight weeks of the betters backing the Raiders. And then moving on, Chuck, the Sunday night game, uh, massive, massive NFC East matchup. Feels like, dare I say, the playoffs have started for both these teams, given the magnitude of this matchup. Giants at Commanders, Commanders favored by four and a half, total of 40. Two wonky teams that have figured it out with defense and piecing it together offensively, but it feels like two teams trending in different directions, Chuck. Uh, would you would you say that this is a de facto playoff game as well as things start to crystallize in the NFC? Yeah, it is, Sam. I think you look at these two teams at 7-5-1. and one. Commanders really have played well late in the season. I think the injuries just took over for the Giants. I think it's just tough when you have that many injuries on both sides of the ball. I think, you know, one of these teams isn't going to make it uh, in the postseason, in my opinion. The loser is probably out, although Seattle's a dog this week. We talked about Detroit being a dog. Both those teams want to kind of sneak into that back end. So, you know, if they both lose, it still gives a glimmer of hope to the loser of this game. But it's going to be a fun game to watch. These teams played two weeks ago. They tied in that game. Um, but you have to like the way the commanders have played over the second half of the season. Again, I think the injuries have just caught up with the Giants. I think it's really tough to overcome those on both sides of the ball. Chuck, we appreciate the betting breakdown. Anything else as you scan the week 15 slate as the season prepares to end here in 2022? I love the format, Sam, of the three games on Saturday this time of year that we always get. Um, you know, Philadelphia and the Bears play. Uh, Cowboys and Jacksonville play. Knowing that they play, I think, you know, they have a big game coming up in a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, we've seen some big upsets in the past. We've seen some teams that have come out flat. But there's a number of games that mean things. The one I'm really watching this week is if the Saints, or excuse me, if the Buccaneers stumble against the Bengals and somehow the Panthers are able to win this week, it's really going to make it interesting down the stretch as the Carolina Panthers at 5-8 and eight control their own destiny in the NFC South. Absolutely, Chuck. Final month of the season. It is a sprint to the finish. We appreciate you breaking everything down and looking forward to checking in next week as we look ahead to Week 16. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Sam. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SCN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $100 on your first deposit. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable. 
and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. To, to me, there's still a lot of value and a lot of merit and a lot of meaning yeah. uh, in this season. But I'm going to even expand it beyond that, um, Sam, if I can. Yep. Um, and took, take a look at a, a little bit of a bigger picture because, uh, you know, as I, you know, I got back to the hotel and it was just, you know, still kind of like it was, you know, it was one of those adrenaline rushes, the way it happens. You're like writing one story, then you got to switch and write another whole story. It's, it was it's it was madness on, on deadline. So it took, takes a little while to come down. Uh, from that sometimes. And um, I'm, I was just thinking about this, Sam, you know, so many times this year. And when you really think about it, the last couple of years, these games for the Raiders have come down to these types of situation, like, like, you know, last minute drives, whether it's them or the other team, uh, you know, close one score games. And uh, I went back and looked, I know this is a different sport, Sam, but I went back and looked at uh, the shooting percentage for uh, some of the best NBA players of all time on game-winning shots. And I think the highest I saw was – I don't think anyone was at 500. I think the highest I saw was in the maybe the higher 400. It was by, it was, I think it was Carmelo Anthony of all guys. But like in, in, in game-winning shots, Kobe Bryant was, you know, under 30%. You know, and and guys were 40 percent, 30 percent, 36 percent. And it told me that when you leave something open to just a make or break shot, you're 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 it's the odds are almost against you that you're going to hit um, the majority of them. And they obviously are because nobody's hitting the majority of those shots. So it's a different sport. I get it. But in football, when you play this many close games, you're going to win some and you're probably going to lose more than you win. And that's what the Raiders have done uh, over these last couple of years when you add it all up. I know they were winning some of those close games last year, uh, but the but the more you put yourself in that position, the more vulnerable you're leaving yourself to gut-wrenching losses like this. This is what I'm saying in terms of the big picture. The Raiders have to get out of that world, uh, um, Sam. And I think, I think part of esca- escaping that world is just frankly – I'm going to bottom line it a better roster. And the reason I say that, I'm writing a story right now about the 2020 Raiders draft, okay? John Simpson, the uh, offensive guard, fourth-round pick out of Clemson in 2020, was cut um, Friday, pretty much immediately after the game, all right? There was, there was, you know, it just ran its course. There was obviously a lack of belief in him after he had to go replace Alex Bars, did not play well. I think blew some assignments uh, as well. So um, uh, the, the Raiders basically fed up, said, yep, we're sending you on waivers. Goes unclaimed in the waiver wire process. This is a 25-year-old former NFL starter at guard. Still young, still, you know, um, you know, you would think has a little bit of value. 31 teams pass on him in the waiver wire process. And if you look at that 2020 draft class, Sam, seven players that were drafted within the first 139 picks, seven players, including two first-rounders, are no longer with the team. The two first-rounders aren't even in the league anymore. Um, the only guy that's left for the Raiders is Amik Robertson, and he's a reserve uh, cornerback. 
um, Simpson, as we as we record this, is no longer on an NFL roster. Tanner Muse um, is barely hanging on as a special teams player with the Seattle Seahawks. Lynn Bowden Jr. is, is has played in one game for the New England Patriots. Brian Edwards, uh, a wide receiver, is on the Denver Broncos practice squad. Uh, if I'm missing anybody, uh, you know, uh, please forgive me. But the bottom line is an entire draft has vanished before our very eyes. And that and that draft was supposed to be a draft that built a foundation for the Raiders. And if you combine that with, um, you know, the two first rounders in, in, 20, in 2019, Jonathan Abram, no longer with the team. Cleve Farrell kind of hanging by a thread himself. He's probably not going to be here next year. And then in 2021, their first round pick, uh, Alex Leatherwood, no longer with the team. This is a, a first round pick last year, is no longer with the team. If you want to know why the Raiders are playing in these type close types of games or why they're not where they need to be, man, the the drafting around here has been really bad the last couple, you know, the last few years. And 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 it's just you can't escape it, Sam. You just can't escape it. You can't have those types of drafts at all. But the Raiders have had a few of them, and that 2020 class was just abysmal there's no other way to describe it that's how you build out your roster right Vinny that's how you build out you build out your depth um and it's how you manage a evolving salary cap because certain guys right you are going to be due extensions at certain times and some of them are going to be more lucrative than others and that's when you rely on second third fourth round picks to contribute in a variety of roles right sometimes it's starters and sometimes you can find stellar picks late in the draft that are the guys that go on to become all pros like Max Crosby and pro bowlers like Hunter Renfro and so on and so forth and other times it's just depth and um and, and that's and, and both are important right you need star power and you need high-end starters and you need depth behind them because of the NFL is such a battle of attrition so that's going to be a, a a huge thing in the offseason how are they going to upgrade this roster clearly I think the offense is, is further along than the defense you have a, a couple I think young young players um, that can develop on this defense in the starters and obviously you have Max Crosby who's one of the best uh, defensive players uh, in the NFL, but there needs to be some infusion of talent on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think there's any question then refining what you have on the offensive side of the ball as well, right? The offensive line, I think for the most part has been relatively stable. They've, they've pieced something together when that was a primary concern. Uh, you, you have a couple guys performing at a, you know, an all pro level, um, but defensively the defense throughout the course of the year, big picture just quite hasn't pulled its weight. I mean, I think that's, that's fairly obvious. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how how the team approaches the last four weeks, right, Vinny? Because I do agree it is important um, here to, to 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 play well and to finish out the season strong. I don't think anybody wants to tank. I don't think that was the expectation coming yeah. into the season. And even if that might be what's quote unquote best for the team in order to boost boost their draft positioning, a uh, good luck telling a coaching staff that after they lost in a devastating fashion. I think it's in the, the, the Raiders need to build some habits and continue to finish. Um, if, if you're Josh McDaniels and company, you want to establish a culture. You need uh, to, to finish as strongly as possible on and you know on and off the field with practice, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's 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 a crucial juncture to see how they they turn the page. And uh, and I do I do agree that this is um, I, I think overall a a roster we've seen them playing a lot of close games. So the roster I think. Was it good enough to make the playoffs this year? Sure. There's probably a number of teams that are talented enough that are going to miss um, the playoffs. But when you're talking about a, a, a real contender, and I felt this way coming into the year as well, I expected the Raiders to complete, compete for a playoff berth. But when you're talking about a top-tier contender, and ultimately that's what you're trying to build, um, they, you, you have to do better in a draft. You have to do a little bit better in free agency. In the last few years, the Raiders have had some hits 
and they've done well in certain areas, and then they've had a lot of misses, as you just detailed, um, with with the draft class, and that's why you're why why the depth that maybe isn't there, and why you lack some t- some top end talent uh, as well. So it's it's going to be an interesting. I mean, it, it, there's still um, it, it's, I'm gonna I'm curious to see how they finish this thing out, and and maybe how do you prioritize winning and, and building your culture versus playing young players like what is the, there there has to be some sort of balance there um you're not going to completely deviate from your approach just because you lost this game so I, i'm curious to see what josh mcdaniels does how he approaches these next four games and how this team again responds to the loss they had last thursday yeah absolutely and um you know i think it's i think you got to win i think you got to play your play play through or run through uh the finish line wherever it gets you it gets you um i'm not into thinking about boosting the draft pick and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's there's enough good players out there that you could find. They've got nine draft picks. Uh, they can move up and down the draft board. They can make some moves. Um, I, I'm, you know, one player isn't going to be the difference right here or, or one, you know, a couple of higher uh, slots on the uh, on the draft board. Um, so if, if I'm in charge, I'm playing through the finish line as hard as I can. I think it is also important, um, and we'll see this week, uh, whether Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are back at practice, I would expect that they are, are going to be. Um, we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see if that's the case. And because I think it's important, Sam, you know, you look at uh, Darren Waller and you look at Hunter Renfro, two guys that safe to say were big parts of the plan, right? I mean, it's Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. They both got signed uh, to multi-year uh, extensions. That's how uh, highly the Raiders thought of them. them. And uh, I think everybody had a vision of, wow, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Uh, what's that offense going to look like? That has a chance to be prolific. Well, uh, Darren Waller and, and, uh, and, 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 and Hunter have played less than 30% of the snaps this year, of the offensive snaps uh, this year, because – of injuries. So, uh, and then when you, when you think about them all playing on the field together, it's even less than that. I think it's 6%. Uh, the last I checked, it's probably uh, below 5% by now uh, that they've played uh, together. Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller um, 6% of the time or so uh, this year. So that's, you know, I'm not going to make excuses, but in a nuanced world, you have to account for that, that nobody accounted for them not playing uh, as, as much as they have. So, uh, he, but here's the, th- here's the deal. They should be back, um, you know, this week, barring any kind of surprises. So you have four weeks. I think it's really important, Sam, for those guys to get on the field, to at least give them a jump start for next year so that when they hit OTAs uh, next spring, um, in a in, in a second year in, in Josh McDaniel's offense, and hopefully with a month of the last of, of this regular season to kind of get it down pat uh, with each other, I think that's important. There's some merit in that, right? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, just I mean, it just for what the, the timing, the way the health is lined up with those three guys, and just training camp and and all the situation, like everything that's kind of went into this season with those three, it just didn't happen. They, they never timed out where they were all available at the same time, limited reps together. And uh, and you were really like you said. I mean, we, coming into the season, Vinny, I thought we, we looked at these. These are three players with complementary skill sets that can make life easier for one another and, and give the quarterback a number of options in a number of different spots, you know, across the field. Right? Having Devonte Adams still pretty good, and Mac Collins, I think, has been very good as well um, re- regarding what has been asked of him and what's been a brand new role. But you did not get to see. Um, throughout the course of the season, that 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 full complement that would have, by the way, worked in tandem with Josh Jacobs, who is leading the NFL in rushing and yards from scrimmage and having a career year as well. So that the Raiders have been um, this dynamic on offense at, at times, certainly not on Thursday, but at times this year, 
um, you know, that you, you see you see the potential that you could possibly have when those when everybody is healthy and right. So, yeah, having a, a month of real game reps potentially with your three top pass catchers um, together, I, I think is huge. And it gives you just a full a chance to really evaluate what you have. Right. We, we did not get to see. The, the, the team that the Raiders thought they would have, that happens in the NFL. It's, it's the nature of it. But if you can have that team out there together, even for a couple of weeks, um, I, I'm with you. There is merit in, in seeing what that looks like, seeing how it can click and having some tape to, to maybe make some adjustments or or to see what or, or to, to, to know, at least from a foundational sp- standpoint, giving you something to build on uh, going into, you know, 2023. So uh, it's it's it, the matchup against the Patriots are going to be is going to be interesting. That's been a kind of a, an up and down team throughout the course of the season as well, just with some of the injuries that they've had and with their, their situation with their offense and, you know, finding, you know, Matt Patricia, and Joe Judge and all that. So. A pretty good defensive team that's been up and down offensively. Uh, it, it should be – I'm expecting what should be a close game uh, on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, important for a lot of different reasons. Uh, and, again, important for them uh, to play through the finish line and see where, where that ends up uh, getting them. Heck, 9-8 and eight at this point looks pretty darn good uh, compared to where they are standing right now at 5-8. At and eight. And it's possible. Uh, I truly believe that. It, it's possible. Uh, but you got to avoid some of the mistakes uh, that they that they um, you know uh, killed themselves with uh, on Thursday night against the Rams. Uh, whatever happens uh, on Sunday, we'll be back here next week uh, to talk about it and then take a look at uh, a short week uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers looming the following week in Pittsburgh uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, we'll definitely talk about that as well uh, as what happened uh, on Sunday against the Patriots. Uh, Want to say thank you to our great listeners. Uh, we really appreciate the support. You're why we do this. Larry Muir, our great producer, thank you uh, for everything that you do. Sam, uh, you know how I feel about you, brother. So uh, thank you for everything you do. I'll see you out here at practice this week. Um, and uh, until then, we will talk to everybody next week. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $100 on your first deposit.